0: <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor.
1: Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Time to visit the Old West to hear another exciting adventure of The Six Shooter as James Stewart portrays Britt Ponsett, a fast-draw gunslinger. Tonight we hear about West Singer, who is determined to get into a gunfight with the six-shooter, despite the fact that they've never met. Wes was spoiling for a gunfight with Britt after shooting off his mouth to his pals, telling him how he could outshoot any man in the state. One of the boys who was listening brought up Ponsett's name, the six-shooter, and saying he bet he could teach him a few things about slapping leather. And now Wes was out to back up his bragging, but he never reckoned that he might get killed himself. In a moment, you'll hear
2: James Stewart as the sick shooter, just one of the many fine programs brought to you Sundays on NBC. Later this evening, listen to the NBC Star Playhouse with one of your favorite stars. Here, meet the press, America's number one newsmaking program. And be sure to keep tuned for the dramatic story of communism in America on Last Man Out, a wonderful lineup of great programs, all of them heard only on NBC. James Stewart as the sick shooter. The man in the saddle is angular and long-legged. His skin is sun-dyed brown. The gun in his holster is gray steel and rainbow mother of pearl. Its handle unmarked. People call them both the Sick Shooter. The NBC Radio Network presents James Stewart as the Sick Shooter. A transcribed series of radio dramas based on the life of Britt Ponson. The Texas plainsman who wandered through the Western Territories, leaving behind a trail of still-remembered legends. Now, in just a moment, you'll hear Act One of The Six Shooter. But first, I want to be sure that all of you know that beginning next week, we change our day and time of broadcast. Instead of Sundays, we'll be on the air Thursday evenings. In other words, our next six-shooter program will be broadcast Thursday, April 1st, and every Thursday thereafter. For time of broadcast, please consult the listing in your local newspaper. We hope you like our new Thursday evening time. Now, Act One of The Six-Shooter, starring James Stewart. (laughs)
3: About Jim
4: Cassidy. I'm looking for Wes, Miss Singer. You know where I can find him?
3: Lockwood, maybe.
4: No, ma'am. He ain't in town this morning. I just come from there.
3: The jail in Lockwood. That's where he might be.
4: Now, Miss Singer, Wes ain't in jail no more. That's all over now. All over? Sure. And nobody's apt to try arresting him again either.
3: They'll arrest him again, Jim, someday. Don't make no mistake about that. They'll arrest him or they'll kill him.
5: We all gotta go sooner or later, Granny. Oh, Wes, if I was as close to my time as you are to yours, I wouldn't be talking about killing and dying so much.
3: Your time's closer than you think, Wes. Maybe even closer than mine.
4: Doggone it, Wes. She told me you wasn't even the home.
5: Ah, Granny's getting cantankerous in her old age, that's all. But what do you want?
4: Uh... Nothing special, nothing special. I uh, just thought maybe you'd like to know Britt Ponsett's in Lockwood. Ponsett? Yeah. He's staying at the hotel. Well, why didn't you say so before? Well, what's the difference? Y- you wasn't serious the other day. Why, well, wish you couldn't have been.
5: He's the six-shooter. You'll find out whether I was serious or not. I'll be in Lockwood at 4 o'clock this afternoon. Maybe... Maybe Poncer will be gone right He won't now. leave. Not if he hears I'm coming in to pay him a visit.
4: You mean you want folks to know what you're aiming to do? Sure,
5: why not? Well,
4: Sheriff Hittleman ain't going to like the idea.
5: Well, he made that plain enough last week. You think I'd let Ben Hittleman get in my way? <laughs> well, I'll grant you it wouldn't mean much killing an old geezer who should have been put out to pasture ten years ago. West, but can't. if he asks for it, I reckon I'll have to oblige him. Now go on, spread the word. We ought to draw a good-sized crowd, this six-shooter and me.
6: Well, as soon as we'd finished fencing in the last couple of thousand acres on the tip-top ranch, old man Jeffers sent me into Lockwood to get some signs printed up. He wanted everybody to know that he owned the biggest spread in this part of the state, and he figured posting these signs every quarter of a mile or so would do the trick. Of course, the word had to be just right. He wrote it all down so I wouldn't forget it. Tip Top Ranch, property of Rex Jeffers. Keep out. This means you. Trespassers will be shot at sight. If you ain't able to read this notice, keep out anyway. Rex Jeppers means what he says, signed Rex Jeffers. <laughs> uh, well. Thursday night when I got into town and the office of the Lockwood Clarion was closed. But first thing Friday morning, I headed over to give Pete Drum the order. Pete Pete was the owner of the Clarion.
7: What in thunders, Rex, thinking can have, Britt. Folks all know the tip-top starts in where it leaves off. Besides, I thought he had a fence around it now.
6: He has, he has, but I guess maybe Rex feels that ain't enough. Oh,
7: 2,000 posters, just so we can see his name in print. All right, all right, I'll do him. But it'll cost him $15. That's my price. $15? Can't be done for a cent less. Paper's oh. expensive, Brit.
6: Well, uh, how soon do you figure you can get at it, Pete?
7: Oh, oh, I don't know. I got me a few more of these auction handles and all. Then I suppose I can shift over to your order. Yeah, and it's a good thing you're coming to town today. Oh? Huh?
8: Uh-huh.
7: Monday, I start getting ready for next week's paper. That ties me up clear into Thursday morning. <laughs> and the way things have been happening around here lately... Uh,
6: well, what do you mean,
8: Payne?
7: <clears throat> now, don't tell me that you ain't heard. No, no, can't say I have. Well, sir, Lockwood's got a brand-new gunfighter. Oh,
6: uh-huh.
7: gunfighter? Just a kid, but he's faster and grease lightning. The first thing you know, Wes Singer will be just about as well-known as Sam Bass, or Bill Longley, or any of the rest of them dead eyes. Wes Singer? Uh Two killings in less than a month. That's what has got to his credit so far. Mm -hmm. Wyatt Barker. He was the first. Wyatt and Wes got into some kind of a mix-up over to Charlie Jensen's place. Well, sir, Wes beat him to the draw and pumped four shots into Wyatt's body before it even hit the floor.
6: You don't say. And hey. afterwards,
7: he just stood around there and he waited for Sheriff Hittleman to take him in for questioning. Why, he acted like he, he didn't have a worry in the world. <laughs> and as things worked out, he was right. There wasn't nothing the sheriff could charge him with, seeing as how Wyatt was already drawing his gun when Wes cut loose. Mm-hmm. Oh, just that's enough of them handbills oh, now. Yeah, yeah, Now, what happened to that paper you give me, Britt? Oh, that? Will you know, the wording on it for your
6: postures. Oh, 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 here it is. Right here. Yeah,
7: thank you. Thank you. Let's
6: see.
7: Uh, I suppose Rex Jeffers wants his name in the biggest type I've got. (laughs)
6: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I reckon he'd like to have it stand out good and plain. Oh, yes,
7: he would. Well, well, I guess this will have to do. It was big enough for Lincoln's assassination. It ought to be big enough for Rex. Anyhow, like I was saying... Folks just didn't know what to make of Wes Singer and the way he'd killed Wyatt Barker. They wasn't sure whether it was one of those times when a young fella just sort of flies off the handle and then settles down again afterwards. Or if Wes would take up gunslinging for a whole career. And about ten days later, they found out. Oh? Uh-huh. Yeah. It was on a Wednesday when he come riding down Main Street again. And we was all kind of curious to see how he'd behave, so... Uh, some of us sort of moseyed over to Charlie Johnson's place when he went inside. And we'd no more than got there before he was in a mix-up with Todd Apple. That's all. Britt, I tell you, if I hadn't seen it myself, I wouldn't have believed it. Wes outdrew Todd by almost a full second. Now, you got to give the devil his due. Wes Singer is a fast man with a six-shooter. And I ought to know, I've seen the best. I've seen that gun of yours in action,
6: Well, that was some time ago. Oh,
7: you're still walking around on your hind legs? (laughs) That's a pretty good sign you ain't completely out of practice.
6: Well, what about the sheriff? Didn't he arrest young Singer after the second shooting? Oh,
7: sure. Oh, sure. He arrested him. Take a look at last week's clarion. Oh, it's right there on the counter behind you there.
6: Mm Hmm? Oh. Oh, is it Wes Singer acquitted? Jury finds Todd Apple killing was self-defense. Well,
7: I guess they had to rule it that way since both men was armed, but... Sheriff Hittleman he sure didn't like it. He told Wes the next time he come into town, stirring up trouble, he wouldn't be alive for no trial afterwards.
6: Well, Ben Hiddelman's a man of his word, singer, ought to know that.
7: Sheriff ain't as young as he used to be, Brits, And he slowed down some of these last few years. He slowed down a lot. Well, you take last winter when he went after Jake Gordon. If Jake's gun hadn't had jammed, Ben wouldn't be here now. And believe me, Jake couldn't hold a candle to young singer.
6: I know. Not a can't.
7: Doggone it, what happened to that other cave? I was sure I had two of
6: them. Yeah, speaking of the sheriff, yeah, I think maybe I'll wander over and see how he's getting along. His office still around the corner? Yeah, there?
7: same place right. as
6: always. I'll drop back and see you later. Please.
7: Okay, Britt. But you take it easy.
6: Well, Lockwood never had been what you might call a real peaceful town. They'd had their share of gunfighters and shootings, no doubt about that. But Ben Hellman, he'd managed to keep things pretty well under control, so I figured he'd find some way of handling this West Singer. As I turned the corner, I got a little glimpse of Ben through the side window of his office. He was putting on his hat and getting ready to go out somewhere. George Pete was right. Ben had age. Even more than I expected. He was carrying some extra weight around his middle, too. Maybe that's what made him look shorter than I remembered him. His mustache had turned to kind of a brownish gray. Well, I opened the door and stepped inside. and For a minute or so, Ben didn't say anything. He just sort of stared at me, frowning. And then he sighed and took off his and Uh,
9: Hello, Britt. Hi, Ben. I heard you was in town. I'm just going to start looking for you. Oh,
6: well, I guess I saved you the trouble,
9: huh? Yeah. How long you figured on staying in Lockwood, Britt?
6: Oh, the rest of the day, maybe part of tomorrow. Depends on how fast Pete Drum finishes up some printing he's doing for me. Well, what's the matter? You I should
9: get rid of me? <laughs> no, no, no. If you was to run off now, that'd turn him into a holy terror for certain. You'd say you left because you was scared of him. You know, holding him back after that.
6: Well, now, just what the Sam Hill are you talking about, Dan?
9: You ever hear of a fellow called Wes Singer lives out east of town?
6: Yeah, yeah. Pete was just telling me about him.
9: Well, it seems he's spoiling for a gunfight with you.
6: With, with me?
9: Yes. Why, I never laid eyes on the man in my life. Well, he knows you, at least by reputation. Oh, well. He got to shooting off his mouth the other day, telling some of his pals how he could out-trigger any man in the state. One of the boys who was listening brung up your name, said he'd bet you could teach Wes a few things about slapping leather. I see. Of course, Wes had to back up his bragging. He told him if you was ever to come around Lockwood, he'd show him who was the best shot. He'd show everybody. Oh, well, I imagine that's just so much talk. At the time, maybe. But you're in town now. And if West don't do something about it, well, he ain't going to look like much. Besides, you're kind of a tempting target, Britt.
8: Hmm?
6: Well, what are you talking about, man? What...
9: You're the six shooter, aren't you? Any young gunfighter who put a bullet into you, well, that'd give him a real claim to fame.
6: Oh, well, it's crazy, Ben. He doesn't have any cause to pick a fight with me. They're all crazy, Britt. Gunslingers like Wes.
9: The idea of getting killed themselves, it it don't even enter their heads. If it did, there wouldn't be gunslingers. Well, you better get over to the hotel. Hmm? The word is, Singer will get to town around four o'clock. I want you out of the way until i finished with him. Until you finish with him? I warned him the next time he come into Lockwood on the prod, he'd have to answer to me. Oh. You, uh... You gonna shoot it out with him? If I have to. You're... You sure you can handle him then? Of course I can ha- um, No, Bray. No, I ain't sure. He's young. He's awful fast.
6: Yeah, yeah, that's what Pete said. But I gotta
8: try.
9: But turns out that I ain't still man enough. Well, I always knew that sooner or later one of them would come along who was younger and faster. Now, listen, Ben, you, you know, he's gunning for me, not you. That ain't the point, Britt. I'm the one who laid down the law told him what I'd do if he ever tried to pull off another shooting spree. Sure, sure. So it's my job to stop him. Oh, you might be a better match for Wes. I don't deny that. And if he should get past me, not that he will, you understand, but if he should, well, then... Yeah? But I just couldn't step back and let you take him on first. Why, the folks would never pay no heed to me afterward. They'd... They'd say I'd talk big to West, but it was your gun to listen to. You see my
6: point, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, I see your point, Ben.
2: We'll return to James Stewart as the six shooter in just a moment. Be sure you're tuned to NBC Radio Thursday evening, March 25th, for the Academy Awards. At that time, you'll hear the entire Academy Award ceremonies direct from the Hollywood Pantages Theater, where the finest artists in the motion picture industry will be assembled. Donald O'Connor will be your host, and during the evening, some 25 Academy Award Oscars will be handed to their new owners. It's Hollywood's most thrilling night of the year, jam-packed with glamour from beginning to end. And you can hear every moment of it when you tune to NBC. Right now, of course, the names of the Oscar winners are a highly guarded secret. A secret that any number of Hollywood actors, actresses, writers, musicians, and directors would love to know. Remember, it's a date with NBC Radio this coming Thursday evening. And that means be tuned to the station to which you're now listening. For the Motion Picture Academy Award ceremonies, directly from the stage of the Hollywood Pantages Theater. of The Sick Shooter, starring James Stewart as Britt Ponsett.
6: sure couldn't blame Ben for feeling the way he did. He was the sheriff, and if West Singer came into Lockwood bound and determined to have another gunfight, well, Ben would just have to take a stand, that's so. all. And I sure didn't like the idea. A young fella I've never even met up with was gunning for me and somebody else was going to try to hold him off. No, that's just... Didn't... Not that I was anxious to get mixed up with him or anything, but I just... Well... Anyway, as long as Ben had made up his mind, there wasn't much I could do about it one way or the other, at least for the time being. So I, I moseyed over to the hotel. The clerk stopped me as I was passing the desk. He pointed to a woman sitting on the other end of the lobby He said she'd been waiting for me to come in. Elderly lady, white hair, wrinkled yellow face with a blue straw bonnet tied under her chin. <coughs> Uh, ma'am, uh, Yes? Uh, my name's Ponset, ma'am. Britt Ponset.
3: Oh. Would you... Would you mind sitting down here, Mr. Ponset?
6: Sure, sure.
3: It's, um... It's about Wes.
6: Oh, yes, yes.
3: Wes Singer, that is. I'm his grandma.
6: I see, uh-huh.
3: You know what he aims to do this afternoon, Mr. Ponset.
6: Well, I'd heard some talk about it, yes, ma'am.
3: It ain't just talk. He means it. He means to kill you.
6: No, no. don't get too upset about him, Miss Singer. There's probably won't be any trouble between me and Wes. Uh,
3: what do you mean?
6: Well, uh, Sheriff Hedelman will be waiting for him, and uh, if Wes starts anything, he'll more and more likely land in jail.
3: There ain't no jail could hold him anymore. And Ben Hittleman won't be able to arrest him again, neither. He'll shoot Ben without batting an eye.
6: Well, uh, you see, I, I'm afraid I don't understand you, Miss Singer. I figured you were worried about Wes. I, I thought that's why you wanted to talk to me.
3: Worried about him? Well, I'm worried about all the men he's going to murder if somebody don't stop him. Men like Wyatt Barker and Todd Apple. Ben Hittleman, he'll be next.
6: Uh-huh. Well, uh, just what is it you want from me, Mrs. Singer?
3: I want you to kill Wes. I want you to shoot him down like you'd shoot down a mad dog. You're the sick shooter. You're the only one who'd have a chance against him.
6: Well, now, Sheriff Hittleman's the law in this town, Mrs. Singer. It ain't up to me. Law?
3: what kind of law is it to turn Wes loose after his other killings? He ain't fit to live, Mr. Ponsett. Maybe it's my fault he turned out the way he did. Maybe if his ma and pa had been here to raise him. But they wasn't. I'd done my best.
6: Of course you did, Miss Singer. Of course.
3: He couldn't have been born mean. The meanness wasn't in his blood. I don't know how it got into him.
6: Uh-huh. Well, sometimes it's pretty hard to explain a thing like that. There's you
3: know. only one way he can end up. He'll be killed sooner or later. I'd even thought about doing it myself. Maybe it's my duty.
6: No, no, you shouldn't be talking like this, man.
3: you You've got to kill him, Mr. Ponsett, today, this afternoon, before anybody else's blood is on his hands.
6: Well, now, I understand how you feel, Miss Singer, but my trying to kill Wes wouldn't... It just... I just don't see how that'd be the answer.
3: Then what is the answer? i racked my brain, asked God's help, done everything I could think of. What is the answer?
6: Well, I, I'm sorry, ma'am. i I'm afraid I just don't know. It was about three o'clock in the afternoon when Mrs. Singer left the hotel. I watched her get into her buggy and drive off. She sat there stiff tall, her eyes straight ahead, not looking one way or the other. And I waited until she dwindled down to just a little speck, and then I walked outside. There was a kind of a stillness in the air, like on a hot summer day just before a thunderstorm. The town was practically deserted. Nobody was in the stores, nobody in the street. Just... Nobody but Ben Hillman. Ritt, I told you to keep out of sight. Yeah, yeah, I know, Ben. And now you get back to the hotel before it's too and late. I'm uh, I'm not waiting in the hotel, Ben. What? Now I made up my mind. I've decided to take a little ride this afternoon. A ride? What are you talking about? Well, I thought maybe I'd head over that way, toward those hills over there. And run right into West Singer? Well, I suppose we might meet up if... He's coming in that direction.
9: You know darn well he's coming from that direction. I told you he lives east of town.
6: Uh, not a the thinker. I guess you did, yeah. Well, I'll be saying to you. Now, you listen to me, Britt. Now, I, I have listened to you. And I see your point, Ben. If there's a gunfight here in Lockwood, or if it looks like there's going to be one, well, it's up to you to do something about it. Well, ain't that what I've been telling you? Sure, yeah. But on the other hand, whatever happens outside of town, beyond the city limits, that is, well, I don't see that that's any of your business. Officially, no, but... uh, Well, well... Britt, I
9: won't let you do it. I know what'll happen between you and Singer. If you do get the draw on him, you'll hold off. You won't kill him. But if he gets the draw on you... So on, Ben. Ritz. rip.
6: I didn't ride very far. Just a couple of miles. And I rained up near a clump of spruce. Whoa, boy. Whoa. Whoa, whoa Gar wandered around nibbling at some tufts of dried up grass, and I settled down in the shade to wait. About ten minutes later I saw him coming toward me. Not hurrying, just plodding along, slow, and easy like. Of course, I couldn't be sure that this was young Singer, but it seemed more than likely that it was him. And when he got close enough so I could see his face, well there wasn't much doubt about it. He was young, all right. It appeared to be younger than his years, just a kid. Not a bad-looking boy, either. But there was something about his eyes and the way they kept darting from side to side like an animal on the prowl. But when he saw me, he reined up and slid out of the saddle.
5: Howdy. You ride out here from Lockwood, mister?
6: That's right.
5: I hear Britt Ponsett's in town. Is that a fact?
6: He was in town.
5: Was? (laughs) I might have known he'd run out on me. You got any idea which way he headed?
6: Yeah. I'm Brett Ponson. What? That's right. There's something I can do for you. For a second, his eyes stopped moving and just stood there as if he didn't quite know what to do. But it didn't take him long to make up his mind. His right hand whipped down toward his holster so fast that it was all I could do to get hold of the shotgun before he finished his draw. And even then it looked like he might just go ahead and squeeze the trigger, but he managed to hold himself back. We weren't more than about eight feet apart, staring at each other. His revolver aimed right at my face, And the shotgun I'd borrowed from Pete Drum pointing straight at his belly.
5: What are you trying to pull, mister? How's that? That that shotgun. What's the matter with your six-shooter?
6: Nothing. Nothing at all. All right, go ahead. You've been telling everybody around town you're going to kill me? All right, go ahead. You couldn't miss me. Go on, you couldn't miss me, not at this range.
5: Sure, sure, but, but, but
6: But I'd still be able to let go with a blast, too, you know. Is that what you're worried about, Wes? And I guess it'd tear a pretty big hole through you.
5: I ain't afraid. You think I'm a coward, don't you?
6: I'll tell you one thing, I think. You know, you never faced up to the fact that you might get killed in one of these gunfights of yours. As long as you got off the first shot, you figured the worst the other fella could do was just to nick you, if he was lucky. All right. Now, you can get off the first shot now. But if you do, I don't need to be able to aim this shotgun. I just couldn't help
5: hitting you. You're, you're local, Ponson. We, we'd both be dead.
6: Yeah. Well?
5: You, you can't expect a man to... To commit suicide.
6: All right, I'm waiting, Singer.
5: You know
4: there's no way to... You know I don't dare...
6: That's right.
5: But what do you expect me to do?
6: I expect you to put your gun away and get out of here. And you'd better not come into Lockwood again looking for trouble... because this isn't the only shotgun in town. (laughs) After a minute or so, he turned and he climbed on his horse. And I, I... I don't know for sure what happened to him after that. I heard that he moved on farther west and finally got into a gunfight with somebody who outdrew him. I guess it was bound to happen, of course. I just don't understand what gets into a fellow like him.
2: During this month before Easter, crippled children are making their annual appeal to you. They are appealing to you to continue to support the medical, therapeutic, educational, recreational, and vocational services which are indispensable to them. The services which are given by the Easter Seal Society in your community. Won't you answer the appeal of crippled children by giving generously to your Easter Seal Society? You may be assured that your gift will be used to provide services that would not otherwise be available to crippled children. Mail your gift today. You may send it to your local Easter Seal Society or to crippled children in care of your local postmaster. The Sick Shooter is a transcribed NBC Radio Network production in association with Review Productions. It is based on a character created by Frank Burt and is written by him. Mr. Stewart may currently be seen in the Universal International picture, The Glenn Miller Story. Others in the cast were Elvia Allman, Sam Edwards, Will Wright, Howard McNear, and Bert Holland. Special music for this program was by Basil Atlas and the entire production is under the direction of Jack Johnstone. All characters and incidents were fictitious, and any resemblance to actual characters or incidents is purely coincidental.
1: Stay tuned for The Life of Riley, next on Theatre of the Mind. Time now to hear William Bendix wear the cloak of a riveter in an aircraft factory as we hear about Babs eloping.
10: The Life of Riley, with William Bendix as Riley. Chester A. Riley is a good husband and a loving father. But there are some who think he should have been born a hundred years ago, judging by his stern Victorian attitude toward his 17-year-old daughter, Babs. Right now, we find Babs tangling with her father on the subject of boyfriends.
11: But, Daddy, why must you take that attitude? I'm not serious about Simon Vanderhopper. He's just a, a friend. So what harm is there if he visits
12: my home? I'll tell you what harm it is. That Simon is a boy who... He's a boy who... Well, what? He's a boy. That's enough. (laughs) Besides, he's a lazy loafer. He'll never amount to anything.
11: But daddy. Simon's only 22.
12: 22. Do you realize that when I was 22, your mother was supporting me and a baby? (laughs) That is, I was supporting your mother... This Simon's a lazy good-for-nothing.
8: He is
11: not. He's in business for himself. He sells bubble gum.
12: Yeah, some business. A mouth-to-mouth salesman.
13: <laughs> oh, Riley, I don't want to get into this battle, but you really ought to be fair, dear.
11: Now, Simon seems like a nice boy, and he acts like a gentleman. Oh, mother's right. Simon's not like all the other boys. He never tries to kiss a girl.
12: On top of everything else, he's a dope, too. <laughs> the main thing is, I just don't like his face.
11: Well,
13: every man can't be good-looking. You ought to know that.
8: <laughs>
12: well, okay, so I'm one of the lucky ones. I mean, that there's, there's something that Simon's face... Well, it, it, it reminds me of a mean guy I used to work for back in Brooklyn. Skinflint Griffin, that was his name. Griffin? Yeah.
13: Oh, the man who ran that candy factory? Yeah. What's he got to do with all this?
12: That Griffin hounded me every day I worked in that candy factory. Three years I slaved for him. I was a chocolate milker. <laughs> So? What? Uh, I never told you why that Griffin fired me.
11: Daddy, what's all this to do with Simon?
12: Griffin framed me. He accused me of drilling holes in five pounds of chocolate cherries and sucking out the syrup with a straw. <laughs> Oh, forget it. Uh, Then I tried to get a job in a licorice factory, but he called them up and blackballed me.
11: (laughs) Well, I still don't see why I can't invite Simon over to my home for a purely intellectual evening.
12: I told you, every time I look at Simon, I think of Griffin. And when I think of Griffin, I get mad at Simon. So don't you ever let me catch him in this house. But jeepers, Daddy... Babs, that's final. I have made up my head. (laughs)
11: Simon, turn on that lamp and go home. I shouldn't have let you in the house in the first place. Now, please go.
14: Very well, Barbara. I'll put on the light. The better to drink in your incredible beauty. But I don't want to go. I can't live without you. You're my everything.
11: Simon, what's that popping noise?
14: It's my bubble gum. It always does that when I'm excited.
11: <laughs> Daddy will be here soon. Simon, you'll just have
14: to go. All day long, all I do is think about you. I can't eat. I can't sleep. I can't work. And I like to eat and sleep. (laughs) Say you'll marry me, Barbara. I love you madly.
11: Simon, I I, I don't know what to say. This is all so sudden.
14: That's the way I am. I look like a big, quiet lake. But I got a terrific (laughs) undertow. Can't you see what I'm trying to say, Barbara? I love you madly.
11: (laughs) I'm flattered, Simon, but... I'm not in love with you. I I just like you. But if my father catches you here, you... Then what has he got against me? Well, you see, Simon, it's your face.
14: My face? <laughs> well, but your father doesn't have to look at me. I know how we can make him happy. We can sit in the dark.
11: Simon, don't touch that lamp. You never acted this way before.
14: I can't help myself. Just being near you sets me on fire. Simon. Let me put it another way. I love you madly.
11: (laughs) It's no use, Simon. My father's got an idea that you're, well, not successful enough.
14: Well, how can he say that? I'm ambitious. Only today I got a new sideline. I'm going to sell greeting cards. Greeting cards? You know, Easter greeting cards, also Christmas cards and New Year's and wedding and birth announcements.
11: Well, is there much money in that, Simon?
14: Oh, I'll say there is. Would you like to be partners with me, Barbara?
11: Gee, I could use some extra money. Things are pretty tough for Daddy, and I hate to always ask him for stuff. All right, Simon, I'll do it.
14: Oh, that's wonderful. It'll be great, us working together. Boy, if you'll go around with me, you'll see I'm no ordinary kid. I mean business.
11: Well, we'll have to keep this a secret for my folks.
14: They wouldn't like it. Well, we'll start selling cards tomorrow. Oh, I'm so happy I could pop. <laughs>
12: Oh, I'd like to get you
8: on a slow boat to Flatbush. <laughs> <laughs>
11: oh, my father. Quick, Simon, hide. The hide? Hide? Where? Where? Hey, Junior, babe. There. No, no, no. Here, behind the couch. Oh, all right. It's awful tight
12: back here. Babsy, where oh, oh, are Oh, oh, here you are,
11: honey. Oh, Daddy, hello. Uh,
12: what's the matter, Bebsy? Why are you acting so funny?
11: Funny? Me? You alone? why do you ask that?
12: I don't know. Well, anyway, I'm glad you ain't mad at me because I won't let you see that simple Simon. Believe me, I know best.
11: Oh, Daddy, Simon's all right.
12: Uh, he might be okay, but I guess I'm just allergic to him. He reminds me of that mean boss I had. Then I get a tight feeling in my brain like any minute something's going to snap. There, you see? Just <laughs> talking about it, and it happens, I... Wait a minute, that wasn't my brain that snapped. That sounded like bubblegum. Pabs, are you chewing bubblegum?
11: Oh, well, come in the kitchen, Daddy. I'll make you a cup of coffee. Wait
12: a minute. Where there's bubblegum, there's that blowhard Simon. Where is he, Pabs? Where is he? Oh,
14: there I am, Mr. Riley, behind the couch.
12: So, the minute my back has turned, you... Get out from behind there, you couch slouch.
8: <laughs> Mr.
14: Riley, if you'd only try to like me, I'm sure that you'd Simon... find that I... Get out of this house. Yes, sir. I'm going. I'm oh. going. Goodbye, Barbara. Please mail me my hat.
12: <laughs> and stay out. I don't want my daughter going around with no twenty two year olds. And don't come back here till you're younger. <laughs> Are you ready? That you want a butch? Who's that? Oh, oh, it's you, Gillis. I was just out in the backyard to get these here logs for my fireplace. What is that, eucalyptus logs? They don't burn nearly as good as oak. Yeah, I know, but I ain't got no choice. All you got in your backyard is eucalyptus. <laughs> They're my logs? Well, you have got a nerve, Gillis, helping yourself to my... Relax, murder. Riley. We're next-door neighbors, ain't we? You're going to begrudge me making a little fire with your wood? Do I begrudge you smelling my smoke? <laughs> Well i'm I'm sorry, Gillis, I, I guess I was hasty. I, I apologize. Okay, but next time watch yourself. I don't like Bodinsky's. which Which brings me to another point. You made a big mistake with your daughter and Simon. Who says I made a big mistake? I do. I heard the whole thing while I was sitting on your porch.
8: <laughs>
12: I can see the headlines already. Irate father drives daughter's boyfriends away. Lonely daughter leaves home. Uh, <laughs> go on. My babs ain't leaving home on account of a boyfriend. She loves her home. She wouldn't be defaced. Poor homeless girls, defenseless, penniless, drifting lower and lower. Bill, stop it. I can't stand it. If only their fathers hadn't been so cruel to them. I once knew a girl like that, alone, friendless, desperate. She got so she didn't even want to go on living. What happened to her? She married me. (laughs) But not every girl can be so lucky. By the give us. I let Babs have boyfriends Only that Simon, well, he's not good enough for my sweet Bab. Get smart, Riley If you chase Simon away, that'll only drive the two of them closer together Why don't you be diplomatic? You mean hit him? <laughs> no, no, he's too little I mean kill him off with kindness Throw Babs and him together, all the time If she sees too much of him, she'll get sick of him Yeah Say, that's a great idea I'll fix it so she'll see nothing but Simon, Simon, Simon. Before I get through, Babs will be Simonized.
11: <laughs> and then, Mother Daddy, actually
13: throws Simon out of the house. I was never so humiliated in all my life. Oh, that man. Why should he dislike Simon so? Sometimes I think oh, you oh, father.
14: Dufflin, oh,
12: Babsy, where is that sweet darling Simon? Now, don't tell me he's gone.
11: You know very well he's gone. You made him go.
12: I made him go? Now, what gave you that idea, Bebs?
11: Oh, don't try to deny it, Riley. Babs told me what happened. Your exact words were get out and stay out.
12: And that's why he left? <laughs> <laughs> but he's oversensitive. Babs, you you got to have Simon over again some night. I love that boy like my own son.
13: Riley, just what are you up to this time? You love
12: Simon? Since when? Now, Peg, just because you don't like the boy, don't make me a party to it. What? I'm the type of father who don't butt in, as Babs very well knows. Well, I never.
11: Daddy, you mean Simon could actually come
12: here in the future? Who's talking about the future? We'll have him here tomorrow. What's the little angel's phone number? Here, have some more of this spinach, Simon, darling Well, okay, sir hey, It's good for you, full of iron I ate so much spinach when I was a boy that when I went out in the rain, I got rusty
8: <laughs> <laughs> Daddy
12: Gee, Mr. Riley, it was wonderful of you to invite me Well, that's the way I am, Simon Wonderful I want you to feel that this house is your home Why, I may even give you a key Oh, gee, that's swell, Mr. Riley. Uh,
13: uh, Mr. Riley isn't really serious about the key, Simon.
14: Oh, I guess that would be going a little too far. Why not just leave the front door open?
8: (laughs) Thanks, Barbara.
12: And I thought your father didn't like me. Daddy's
11: hard to understand sometimes.
12: Not like you? Well, of course I like you, Simon. You're ambitious. You're starting small, but someday you'll be making your own chewing gum. And the name of Vanderhopper will be on the tip of everybody's tongue.
8: <laughs> oh, I
14: hope so. But I was thinking of changing my name for business reasons. Vanderhopper is too long.
12: Well, I don't know. I, I like it. Don't you, Babs? Babs Riley Vanderhopper. Musical,
14: huh?
11: Oh, Daddy.
12: Originally, our family name was much longer. It was Hopper. Well, yeah, that that is a pretty long name, Vandergriffin. <laughs> <laughs> What was that name again? Vander Griffin Hopper. Uh, D- Daddy, please
14: D- pass the bread. Now there were three brothers. My father changed it to Vanda Hopper. Another brother calls himself Hopper, and the third brother calls himself Griffin. <laughs>
8: <laughs> D- 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 D-
14: Griffin? Yes, sir. He's in the candy business in Brooklyn. <laughs>
13: oh. <laughs>
12: Candy business?
13: Uh, 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 Simon, uh, have you seen any movies lately? Let's go and see one now.
12: <laughs> oh, but he's a nice fellow, your Uncle
8: Griffin. Oh,
14: <laughs> why, you love him. He tells the funniest stories. You know, once he discovered all the chocolate cherries had holes drilled in them, and somebody had sucked
8: out the syrup. <laughs> uh, 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 Simon, uh, let's, let's go to the movies right now. Uh,
14: in the middle of dinner? I had no idea you were such a movie fan. Wait!
12: Go on, Simon. You were saying somebody sucked out the syrup. Did your uncle tell you who? Yeah. There was some big baboon working for him.
8: (laughs) Oh,
14: dear. Now I broke a plate. My uncle said this fellow should have been named Opium. He was such a dope.
12: (laughs) He did, did he? Simon... Get out
14: of this house. Oh, oh, Daddy, please. Oh, Mr. Riley, did I say something? Get out of
12: this house.
14: Oh, but why, Mr. Riley? I thought you loved me. The
12: honeymoon is over.
10: <laughs> Before we hear more about Riley's feud with Simon, this is Ken Niles with a word about a wonderfully funny motion picture. Yes, The Life of Riley is finally coming to the screen as a Universal International picture. You'll get a lot of pleasure in seeing all your favorite Life of Riley characters in this hilarious movie. Starring Riley himself, William Bendix. Now, Prell Shampoo brings you the second act of The Life of Riley. An hour after Riley threw Simon out, Bab slipped quietly out the back door carrying a suitcase. Simon was waiting. Breathless with excitement Together they rushed off
14: in the darkness Where nobody knows
11: Oh, Simon, I'm sorry you talked me into this If Daddy finds out, he'll be furious
14: I don't care I'm willing to take my chances Because I love you Not so loud, someone will hear you Let the whole world hear me I'll shout at the top of my voice I love you madly (laughs) How much farther is it? Here we are now See the sign? Henry Stefanotti, Justice of the Peace Come on, Barbara Do you think he'll do it? Sure. He's going to make money out of it. Good evening, Judge. My name is Simon... Well, well, well. A handsome young man, a blushing young girl. Little suitcase. I know what that means.
11: Oh, Oh, no, no, you don't understand. We don't want to get married.
14: You don't? Oh, but I thought when I saw the suitcase... Oh, that's full of samples of our greeting cards and wedding announcements. We're selling them. Here's my peddler's license. Oh, I see. Well, why do you come to me?
11: Well, we thought since you marry a lot of
14: couples... And they'll want to tell their friends about it. So we thought maybe you'd like to be our agent and take orders on commission. Oh, oh, I see. Well, I'm always willing to make an extra buck. Uh, That that is, I mean to help young people out. Uh, Step into the parlor.
13: Oh, but you're so unreasonable, Riley. You can't throw a boy out of the house just like that. Just because you don't think he's good
12: enough for your daughter. Why not? Didn't your father used to throw me out of the house just like that? Your father said I wasn't good enough for you.
13: But in the end, I married you anyway. So what does that prove?
12: It proves that sometimes a father can be right.
8: <laughs> uh, 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 not
12: your father. I, I, I mean, uh, uh, I, I don't want to discuss it.
13: But, Riley... Oh now, who can that be? Oh, good evening. Come in. Oh,
8: isn't
15: it? First? It's got me for you, dear. It is I, Digby Odell, the friendly undertaker.
8: <laughs> well,
15: sit down, Digger. You look tired. Did you have a hard day? Oh, yes. I covered a lot of ground.
8: <laughs> I'm thinking
15: of taking in a partner. The load is getting too heavy for one man to carry. <laughs>
12: Well, you should try and relax during work, Digger. Take a few minutes off and stretch out somewhere.
8: I don't dare.
15: You see, I have a nearsighted assistant.
12: Well, I got my own problems, Digger. You know, being a father is no cinch. All I get is trouble, trouble, trouble. And it'll never end.
15: Oh, yes, it will. Take my word for it. (laughs) But I grant you, children are a problem. Take my daughter. Lily Fern? No. Pantagruel. The pretty one. The one who looks like me. Poor child. No boyfriends call on her. They absolutely refuse to come to the house. Why? Who knows? You'd think we had a skeleton in our closet.
12: Well, I got different headaches with my daughter. Bev's has got boyfriends that I don't want her to have. So she's sore.
15: She's in her room now, sulking. Oh, no. I just saw her on the boulevard with a young man. She? Out? With a boy? Who, who is he? Sorry, I didn't recognize the body.
8: <laughs> but
15: as I passed them, I heard him proclaim, Barbara, I love you madly.
8: <laughs>
15: and crack his knuckles with a loud
12: pop. That wasn't knuckles, that was bubblegum. She's out with Simon, and I forbode her to see him.
8: <laughs> I
12: don't blame you.
15: This Simon is certainly no gentleman letting your daughter carry that heavy suitcase. Uh,
12: well, that's just like him to let Babs carry... carry... <laughs> suitcase? What would Babs be doing out with Simon in a suitcase? Digger, they couldn't be. Oh, good heavens, Riley. They're eloping. Eloping. My little Babs.
15: She's so young. That weasel Simon. Oh, you have... You have my sympathy, Riley. The boy's a cad. He should have his ears boxed. Then I'm the
12: one to do it. (laughs) Digger! I can't stand here! Peg! Peg, come here, quick! What is it, Riley? What's the matter? What is it? Babs and a loaf, they've simoned! Babs? (laughs) Uh, Mr. Odell, what is he
13: talking about? Not Simon!
12: When I get my hands on him, I'll, I'll... I'd better go.
15: But remember, Riley, if you require my help, just call for me. And if Simon requires it, no, in that case, I'll call for him. you! I'd better be shoveling off.
13: <laughs> Riley, what's this all
12: about? Now answer me. Digger saw Babs eloping with a suitcase. She was carrying Simon.
8: <laughs> <laughs> Babs eloping? Oh, I
12: don't believe That's it. It's all my fault. I could have made her so happy. Instead of that, I made her get married. We're not
13: sure she's married. Let's look in her room first. Maybe she left a note or something.
12: Yeah, come on. Is anything gone? Her clothes?
13: I can't tell. She always leaves her room in such a mess.
12: Peg, on her dresser, a note.
13: Well, no, it's some
12: kind of card. Huh? Oh, yeah, and it says, Peg, listen to this. To my bride-to-be. Today, my love, you will be my wife and live within my heart. Together we will go through life Never more to part. 25 cents.
8: <laughs> I know it.
12: They get married. This proves it. Married? Oh, no, I don't believe it. She's just a baby. Look, there's one of her little bobby socks on the floor. <laughs> Only this morning, some of her little toes was in it. And now it's empty.
13: <laughs> Riley, if Babs did do this, you're to blame. You drove her to it. Maybe. Well, I was only trying to protect her. Don't you know it's normal for a young girl to have boyfriends?
12: It's it's human nature. Well, that's what I was trying to protect her against. Human nature. <laughs> I'm a failure as a father. My poor little bed. The phone. Maybe it's them calling from Niagara Falls. If that Simon tries to reverse the charges, I'll I'll. Hello. Is Simon Vanderhopper there? No, but I wish he was. Well, the girl who was with him left his phone number. Who is this? Tell him Mr. Stefanotti called. Who? Henry Stefanotti,
14: Justice of the Peace.
12: Justice of the Peace?
14: Yes, they left their license here.
12: License? Yes, and they'll need it. Tell him to pick it up. Goodbye. Hello. Uh, Hello. Uh, That was the Justice of the Peace. They forgot their marriage license at his place.
13: Oh. Oh, Riley. (laughs)
12: Our little girl. Married? I'll put an end to that marriage I'll tear up the license I'll take that Simon And have him a (laughs) no
13: Now, now, let's be calm Let's talk to them first and, And Simon's parents No,
12: I... Listen Somebody's coming Quiet, Peg
14: Gee,
12: Babs, I hope your father
11: isn't home. I don't think he is. I don't see his shoes on the piano.
12: (laughs) It's them. When I lay my hands on him, I I forbid you to hit him. Promise? Please, just one little punch in the nose. (laughs) (laughs) After all, he's my (laughs) son-in-law. No. it's better if we discuss it quietly. Yeah, well, okay, maybe you're right.
11: I'll hide the suitcase in the... (gasps) Oh, Daddy! Ah, Good night,
12: Babs. Just a minute, Simon.
11: Riley, please!
12: Well, uh, uh, just a minute, son. Uh, don't go yet. Sit down. Yes, sir. Well?
11: Daddy, Simon and I... Now, please don't get upset. But we went uh, and...
12: Yes, I know all about it. I found this card and I spoke to that justice of the peace.
11: Oh, Simon, he knows.
12: Mr. Riley, you're not angry? Why shouldn't I be?
11: But, Daddy, it's only temporary. It's only till Easter.
8: <laughs> Easter?
12: Easter nothing. I'm calling it off right now. But we can't call it off. We've already ordered the baby announcements.
14: (laughs) Baby announcements? Oh, Oh, my heavens. Yes, sir. I don't let the grass grow under my feet.
12: But you were just married. Married? Married? Who, was?
11: What, what are you talking about, Daddy? We're just selling greeting cards and wedding and birth announcements. But, but the justice of the peace and the license. That's just a peddler's license.
8: Oh, oh, Riley. Oh, and we thought. Gee,
12: oh. I wish Barbara would marry me. I love her madly.
8: <laughs> Babs,
12: you mean you and Simon didn't get married?
11: Daddy, of course not. I'm still single.
12: What a revolting development this is.
10: The Rileys will return in just a moment. When you want your hair to look its radiant best, does soap film and unsightly dandruff spoil its appearance? Then do as millions do. Shampoo with Prell, Procter & Gamble's Radiant Cream Shampoo. Because Prell removes embarrassing dandruff in as little as three minutes. Doctors' examinations proved it. And even in hardest water, Prell leaves hair more radiant than any other leading cream shampoo. With no dulling soap film. And Prell's economical goes farther than any known shampoo because it's more concentrated. Try Prell yourself. As Tallulah says...
11: I'm Tallulah the Tube of
13: Prel, and I'll make your hair look swell. It'll shine, it'll glow, so dandruff-free for radiant hair. Get a hold of me,
8: Tallulah the Tube of Prel Shampoo. Riley, what's that that you...
13: Oh, that's a box of Griffin's chocolate cherries that Simon sent to Bab.
12: Yeah.
13: You didn't take any.
12: Oh, uh, uh, no, no, no. No, no, no. I, 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 I didn't touch them. Oh,
13: they, they do look tasty. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't think there'd be any harm in trying just one.
12: Oh, no, 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 Peggy. You mustn't mm. touch them. No.
13: Mm, they're delicious. <laughs> oh, that's funny. There's no syrup inside. <laughs> And there's a tiny hole in each chocolate.
12: (laughs) Riley. I'm innocent, I swear. I didn't do it.
8: Must have been a woodpecker, I swear. I'm innocent. (laughs) Walker and Gamble
10: invite you to join us again next week to hear The Life of Riley with William Bendix as Riley. William Bendix will soon be seen as the star of the motion picture, The Life of Riley. Mrs. Riley is Paula Winslow, Digger O'Dell is John Brown, and Babs is Barbara Eiler. The Life of Riley is produced by Irving Brecker. And remember, for more radiant hair free of unsightly dandruff, get the shampoo in the tube. P-R-E-L-L, Prell Shampoo.
1: Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Mr. Keene.